Hello and welcome to the latest episode of And The Winner Is, where we take a look back at some of the Academy Award Best Picture winners. This time around, we're looking at the 2006 winner, Crash, which premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2004, but didn't get a wide release until May 2005 in the US. Uh, joining me as always is Paul. Evening, mate. Evening. Looking forward to this. Yep. You doing all right? Yeah, not too bad. Not too yep. bad. We're a bit late this month for various yeah, reasons. Yeah, had, had some technical issues, <laughs> which I had to deal with earlier in the week. Um, so I suppose we should just uh, dip into this a little bit. This the film, of yeah. course, had a budget of six point five million, and what do you think it made? I don't think it'll be a massive box office hit. Um, I reckon about one hundred and twenty million. Uh, well, just on that, but just over one hundred, one hundred one point two, according to uh, a certain internet provider's website. Uh, in fact, it was—I uh, believe it was possibly the lowest grossing best picture winner domestically as well. I think something like 53.4 million to win best picture since the last emperor in 1987. Uh, so it's not always a guarantee that it'll make a lot of money at home, on a at home, will it? A um, couple of little facts. The film was shot in 36 days, which is crazy really for a, yeah. for a movie like that. Because uh, there seems to be a lot going on in there. Um, Director Paul Haggis shot a lot of the, the home scenes for the cabots in his own place because of the finances. So I suppose really that, that global taking wasn't too bad to be sniffed at in the end, really. No, <laughs> not really. Uh, interestingly, Haggis also won first person to win best screenplay two years running because um, he also won for a film we've already discussed, Million Dollar Baby, the year before. Yeah. So that was a nice little return for him. Uh, and interestingly as well, this is the um, first best picture since Rocky in 76 to only win three Oscars. And I was quite surprised at how few it had won, actually. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that I think until The Hurt Locker in 2008, it, it remained the lowest grossing best picture winner. So uh, that's one that we haven't dealt with yet, of course. Uh, the yellow Mini Cooper that you see in the garage of stolen cars was actually Paul Agassi's own car. <laughs> it really was a really was a tight budget, wasn't it? Yeah, um, prop, a proper budget film, and to to get a, an Oscar win is is massive for a film like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another one, which of course I forgot, because this was actually a rewatch for me. I, I watched, it, I think, probably when it came out uh, on first on disc. In almost every scene, there's a symbol pertaining to Christmas because it turns out it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I've completely forgotten that. It's yeah. a bit of a miserable Christmas movie. But, um, <laughs> um, and then the final one is, is the, apparently the first Best Picture Academy Award winning film to be released on the then newly introduced Blu-ray format. <laughs> it seems like it only seems like yesterday that Blu-ray came out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm amazing. It, the fact that yeah. a lot of us are still running off of DVDs even now. Yeah. Yeah. Although um, some places now we're not selling them like Sainsbury. Thank no. you very much. So I suppose we should just dive dive into the film a little bit now. Um, yeah. Just talk maybe a little bit about that that opening, which I thought is a very nice, moody opening with the credits, etc. And we don't get the full title until all the credits have come up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's uh, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's it's quite a, a good opening, but also a bit mm. unusual. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I have to say up front, I knew very little about this film before I went into it. Yeah. yeah. So it was a it was a fresh watch for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's years since I watched it. I think, as I say, I watched it. I think when it first came out, this, but I haven't revisited since. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I'd forgotten about the film as we as we move on for for the first opening scene is the fact we get two. MCU actors who both appeared as the same character in Marvel. Yeah, films. yeah, it, that was that was my second note that uh, both roadies are in the in the same film. And yeah. and then my my next note is it makes sense because Sarah Haley Finn was the casting director mm. on this, uh, yeah. who is the casting director for Marvel and Star Wars now. Yeah, so it makes sense. My my one note is uh, whatever happened to Matt <laughs> Dillon. Yes. He just kind of disappeared. Yes. Mm. And and I've seen more of his brother. Really good in I've yeah, seen more of Kevin, Kevin than I have Matt. Mm. Yeah. It uh, and this showed what he was capable of as well as we watch as we go yeah. through the film. He's really good in this. Um, it was interesting to see the themes are set out. Some of the themes about the way, uh, racism and oppression, etc play out in this film we get even into race racism where we see the um the attitude of the we get the shopkeeper that deals with it when yeah. he goes to somebody else's shop and then later on we'll see him have his own preconceptions about somebody from the hispanic race and uh, yeah one of the themes of the film as it plays out is how that sort of seeps in everywhere isn't it and, and that yeah was an and it, it's really hard hitting right from the the word go yeah yeah. Um, it doesn't start off slowly, that's that's for sure. Um, going back course, to what we were talking also... about before, yeah. the, the casting, it seemed I had this conversation with um, with Nick uh, over on Disney Parks and Beyond and multiple other shows on the, the Start Network, that Cheadle seems to need good direction. And if he isn't yes. directed well, he doesn't act very well. Um, and I think yeah, the, it's quite yeah, the clearly part runs been, away from him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, quite clearly he's been quite well directed in this, um, because mm. he does put in a really strong performance um, mm. yes, in this. Yeah. Uh, so we get that sort of we get established early on that it's a Christmas film, or so I've forgotten. And uh, yeah, and then we get into that that carjacking sequence, which sort of really sets up one of the themes of the film. Um, yeah. And again, it's so well done. It, it, there's, there's a subtlety in there in that sort of ingrained behaviour that we sometimes have seen in white people like ourselves. Um, and Sandra Bullock's really good in those early scenes, actually. I think. Yeah, I, I've got three notes on on actors uh, just in this scene. I can't believe how yeah. young Ludacris is when you consider yes. what he looks like now in Fast and the Furious and things like that. I, <laughs> I can't get over how young it is. Obviously, both of us have have had like crossover points with Brendan Fraser over the years being yeah. like geeks. Obviously we've got the mummy films, which are still fantastic yeah. films in my opinion. I love them, but more yeah. recently with doom patrol. And I, I am a massive <laughs> fan of Brendan Fraser's. I think he's great in everything I've seen him yeah. in. Um, and then my, my last, last note on this thing was it's a really strong performance by Sandra, by Sandy Bollock, as I wrote um, <laughs> so far in this film. Uh, and I think she's a little bit underused throughout this film. Yes. She kind of disappears yes. for a long, long stretch in the middle of the film. Um, mm. So, yeah, she is kind of underused compared to how some of the other actors and actresses are used in this film. 
Yeah. So, uh, so we say so that the theme rolls along, the, the race themes roll along, and we sort of we get start to see a large number of different characters. I was co- completely forgotten just how many subplots there are in the film. Yeah, it is at times it's quite tough to follow everybody, mm-hmm. and especially when they all start meeting as well in different points throughout the film. Um, yeah. It's not the yeah. easiest film to follow. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, but one of the things I thought was very clever was the way that crashes aren't used a lot in the film, but they're, they're brought in as little minor elements. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really clever. Well, when we get to see Cheadle and his partner, Rhea, they've had a minor collision, of course, with an Asian-American woman. And yeah. we get another of those inter-race racial battles going on that, that sort of permeate the film. Yeah. And that, that follows on, of course, from the we, the one we, we mentioned with Farhad, the Persian owner, who'd gone through the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's, there's something that happens there that, that will get paid off at the end of the film. Uh and as we then have, we said we send the two guys that do the carjacking, and they all these disparate characters have all got their own conceptions of their own identity and other people's identity and how we, how they view each other, which yeah. is a fascinating story, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it is it's, it really does. One of my next notes is it's an absolute riveting watch. You can't take your mm. eyes off of it. It's one of those mm. films where if you do walk away from it, you're going to lose where you are because of how yeah. dense it yeah. is. Um, I said, it's literally, I'm loving all the threads. The only letdown I have with it is that I want more of everybody and there isn't mm. enough time to have more of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will say, uh, I didn't expect an Oscar winner, winner to have Sandy Newton giving head in a car. Swipe <laughs> <laughs> me, but Terence Howard is proper giving off Billy D. Williams vibes in this. <laughs> yeah. It proper and feels again, like it's, it's, it's Lando at times. It's a really nice performance from him in this of that yeah. that that guy who's got to try to keep a control in his life as a sort of well-to-do person of color, you know, as a director, yeah. um, filmmaker, and and there is this. There's this quiet sort of anger, isn't there, from Thandu? I saw Thandui, we should call it now, but she was Thandui yeah. at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, um, and that frustration that's born out of that scene where we get one of the first crossover, another of the crossovers where uh, they're pulled over by Dylan and, his, and Philippe's character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a really nasty scene to be honest. Yeah. I, I, and the way it goes for Philippe's character in this film as well. Um, mm. it, it's kind of like he does a 360 throughout the film. Yes, it's a uh, that is really a hard watch to see someone delve to those depths uh, as yeah. the film goes yeah, on. Yeah, well, because that, that's that's the the interesting thing with with Philippe's character is he thinks that he's not like yeah Dylan's character, but then he may have not read himself properly when we're seeing towards the end of the film and, and that sort of sequence in the car. Yeah. We'll get to. It, it's quite brutal, honest. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but uh, that, that mollusk. That oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say at this point we've we've also met a couple of, um, I would say, cult character actors, um, in a few of these scenes. Obviously, we get Daniel Day Kim, um, yeah, who's yes, who's one yeah. of those actors that has tried to avoid us over the years, um, with events <laughs> he's meant to be at, and 
We've yes, still never met him. Um, and then obviously we get Deanna Troy as well. Yes, which was a bit of a surprise in it as well. Mm. Um, and we should also say is the, the other thing we skipped over that Far had the Persian shop owner, I believe, was in the MCU as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the first Iron Man. Yeah. Yes, he was. Of course, he was. Well, and again in Iron Man three as well. Of course, he cameos, yes. doesn't he? Yes, it does. <laughs> There's at least three MCU connections in this film, which is bizarre considering this was like 2004. Yeah. So it's a good five, six years before they would have all started doing them. Yeah. Um, there, there, there's some interesting, they try to throw in some interesting sort of dynamics as well and possibly some reasons. We see Ryan's conflab with an uh, insurance adjuster uh, about his father's condition. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really, really another really awkward sort of uncomfortable sequence, isn't it? When he goes in there and just basically yeah. accuses her of being a racist, effectively. Yeah, yeah. And obviously we we meet another geeky star in, in Michael Penner, another MCU actor. Mm. Um, gets thrown in there. So is, you can definitely see Sarah Finn's fingerprints all over this film. Yes, yes, yeah. So people that she would have... She got off the speed dial, I guess, afterwards. Yeah. Oh, it would be good for this role, yeah. Yeah. After having worked on them on this. Um, but there's so much they throw in in, in the film, I was saying, because we then get that weird... Eventually, we get that point where um, Christine, I think it is, the tiny place, ends up in, an, in one of the, the film's kind of second crash, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and what are the odds on her saviour having to be the... the copper that nearly molested her yeah who, who basically a... shows that maybe he isn't all that bad and it's it's kind of a face he puts on to cover things up mm. yeah yeah he's got this there's there's this anger isn't there in, yeah i think caused by his, the problems with his father etc which project i think he projects out a little bit i mean that it's it's what he does is entirely inexcusable of course we want to excuse anything he does in the film because he's He's quite a nasty character at times, but and, and that's done by choice. Yeah. But, um, but it's interesting to see how, in that the scene in the in the burning car, how actions can have a ramification. I mean, she doesn't want to go with it. She wants him to leave her alone at one point, and then, well, if he doesn't do it, she's going to get a toast, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I think on that note about about Dylan's character, I think they all have reasons for for being as I wrote, cocks. Because yeah. a lot of the time, yeah. it is the male characters that are the problem. Yes. Um, obviously, Sandy's character isn't great. She has her issues as well. Yeah. Um, clearly. Yeah. Um, but she she isn't the one that's causing problems most of the time. She's kind of... She wants to make things better, yeah. whereas a lot of the other characters yeah. have got problems that mean they're trying yeah. to cover and- up the bad. Yeah, her frustration is that she's married to a, to a man who's effectively too quiet, isn't it, in terms of his, yeah. his race and yeah. and his standard and, and wants him to be more, more yeah. of a man and more of a man of colour as well. Yeah, and I have to say at this point, one of my note, notes is that I'm getting completely lost in this film. It just, it, mm. it really does engage you. Um, mm. And yeah, my notes started to, I've literally, I've nearly finished all my notes just because I got lost in the film. And and wasn't yeah, yeah. writing anything down. I wanted to see where this was going. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, yes, well, I mean, we could dissect it for until the cows come home. But at least, so we, we get these series of sort of sequences, these really tense sequences, like the one with the, like the, um, where Harry's character finally catches up with his carjackers. And it's really awkward scene as well. Yeah. That yeah. He, he's basically sort of um, kidnapping himself because he refuses to leave a car with a guy who's got a gun to his head. Yeah. Yeah, basically, basically, you're not having my car, mate. Yeah, and and then we we also get another geeky actor appearance from William Fitchner, um, yes. who's who's yeah. gone through multiple things over the years. Obviously, we we were Prison Break fans back in the day. Um, obviously, he went through the Batman films as well, the the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. He was in he was in one of those, um, and just lots of other appearances in in cult TV over the years and cult film. As well, and he never gives a bad performance. He always he always oh, puts in a shift. Uh, well, because we haven't mentioned at this point as well that Michael Payne is in the film as well. Yeah, another mm. MCU actor. Yeah, uh, in another good turn, and, and, and he has involved in a couple of the the, the better best scenes in the film. Um, yeah. and again that again that other another interracial racial tension with him and the shopkeeper. And, yeah, and for and, me, and, the shop, shopkeeper is the biggest wanker of them all. Well, yeah, because he's, he's warned what's going to happen if he doesn't yeah. fix the door. Yeah. And it's it's not playing his fault at all, and it's what he plans to do to him is completely unwarranted. Yeah. And the fact that he actually pulls the trigger. Yes. Yeah, that, he, that he's prepared to kill him over it. and Yeah. And has no regard of what it's going to cost. No, no, because he's just got to that point in his own life where he just feels that he's at his wit's end. But but it was it was partly his own doing. So in some ways, it's hard to feel a lot of sympathy for him as a character. Yeah, because that old exchange in the film where where a painter just keeps telling him that he has to fix the door that he's fit and and he's not listening. He will not have it. You know, no. he needs to do something himself. And. And there are people like that. You just cannot tell, you know, yeah. anything. Uh, because there's a nice playoff of that, of course, going right back to the scene in the shop at the start, where the where he thinks it was a, the little girl's an angel. It's such a tense scene where she gets stands in front of Painter and he thinks she's been shot in the back. Yeah, yeah, and that that is just it's just really horrible. It's heartbreaking. And then obviously yeah. you get the happy ending that it hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, and that he's left to, to consider what what he's got. Basically, that is a shell of a man now. After that, now he knows yeah, that he is yeah. wrong. It kind of leaves him empty. Mm. But but also, there's sort of some there's some spiritual relief there where he thinks that he's sort of got a second chance. Though I think, yeah, when he talks about the logarithmic angel. But of course, then we get the reveal that there was actually blank cartridges, which I thought was really clever. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, at this point, yeah. just Ryan Philippe, I think. It, He's another one whose career has kind of disappeared, but I think his performance mm. in this is really strong. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it's a shame another that his career has gone. Yeah. And within the film, that's another heartbreaking subplot. That is where we, where he has actually got those preconceptions about people of other races yeah. that he thought he probably hadn't. Yeah. Um, the scene in, in the car where he picks out who we, what we find out, of course, is, um, is the missing brother. Uh, and that scene is just brutal, and the way that he just disposes of the of the body and the car and stuff. And that, in fact, that's one of my 
I do have a couple of issues with the film, and one of them is the fact that some of those story threads never really get resolved again after that. That's what and I sort of said. Well, while the film doesn't, doesn't seem to be coming to an overall conclusion, but everybody's story is kind of wrapped up, despite not having a, a full conclusion. They, they do kind of have an end point. Um, mm. You just don't get as much information as you would probably like on yeah. how those stories are wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as we go into this, it's interesting. How we've said about how dense densely plotted is. How we've said it ended up jumping around the film a little bit. I think it's quite interesting. But I think it, it's hard to actually go to this film in quite a linear fashion. Yeah, because there's so much going on it and so many themes that bounce around all the characters and their their yeah. perception of the world. My um, one question is, how does that guy survive yeah. being run over? I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. Because um, he's absolutely battered at the start of the film, and then by the end of it, he's up and walking around again. Yeah, but it, it is one of the, the more redeeming elements of the film. That, that subplot does have a kind of a nice ending to it, I suppose. Mm. Um, though I kind of had to... Uh, the, the check thing threw me for a minute when he said, <laughs> just cast it quickly. Yeah. So, so even he has his own view of the world, you know. Yeah. Cashing it in and making the most of it. Um, yeah, so it's, um, I say it's a funny one because, like yourself, I sort of my notes fizzled out a little bit for, for sort of slightly varying reasons to yourself. Um, and I, I really actually could think about summarizing this film a little bit now. Um, it's, as I say, it's one that I watched a few years ago, right back when it came out, and I had never really any intention of watching it again. Um, and I still feel that it's not a film that I would revisit particularly because it, it's... It's another one of those hard-hitting ones that you, you probably aren't going to turn to in, in your hour of need. When you want no. something to watch on the TV, it's not going to be something that you pick up. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It, 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 it's certainly not a film you can enjoy watching, I don't think. Um, but there's some great performances in it. Yeah. Um, I'd say Dylan's really good. Philip's good in, in what he does. Um, the two roadies are really good. <laughs> One of the best to bring them together. Um, in fact, there's not really a bum performance, in, bum neck performance in there. Everybody brings it all to the table. Um, so some nice couple of cameos. I'd forgotten Marina was in it. Yeah. Um, but it is just, it's quite tragic at its core. It's quite a, say quite a hard film um, but it's because apparently it was out of came out of personal experiences of um, Haggis right back yeah. at the start of the 90s I think about I think he was mugged somewhere or carjacked something like that um, for all that for all its faults it's I say I know it's come out in a lot of lists as, as one of the in those lists of worst Oscar win best picture Oscar winners I wouldn't say that um, so much, but I think it got a notoriety because, of course, it pipped um, Brokeback Mountain, didn't it? It's the same year as that. Because yeah. um, we haven't actually touched on you know, who it was up against. Um, I think it was Brokeback Mountain was one of the Best Picture winners, uh, nominees it was up against. Uh, I think Munich. Yeah, yeah. So it was Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Good Night and Good Luck, uh, and Munich. Uh, Munich and Good Night and Good Luck, I've seen. Amazing, I've still never seen Brokeback Mountain, so I can't make a comparison. I need to watch that at some point. I've only uh, ever seen bits and pieces of it. It was never one yeah. that I was I was going to go to. 
Um, and I never seen Capote to this point either. So I said, I'll watch at some point. Uh, and I won't because I don't like Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm never going to touch that. It's just not not for me. I was I've never been a fan. Of, uh, you're, not conf- you're not confusing. Oh, was was it not that Sorry? one? Was it a different one? You're thinking of Capone. No, <laughs> you're yeah. Thinking of Capone, which is the... yeah. <laughs> no, it was Philip Seymour Hoffman was Capone. Yeah. Yes, uh, of he, he won was. best actor that year. Yeah. Um, because yeah, because he won best picture out of all those. Um, yeah. I say he won best uh, best original screenplay, which is sometimes unusual because often they give that as a sort of runner-up prize. Yeah. But of course, in this instance, where the what was predicted to win. Didn't, but he won best adapted screenplay was Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those 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 funny result years. Um, and on that basis, I mean, I, I, I've seen worse films. I think we we've probably we have, and we will probably cover best uh, other better worst films um, yeah. or films that were less deserving. Um, so score-wise, I mean, I come out right seventy-five percent purely because it's quite a hard and not entertaining watch. It's, it's worth people seeing it because there's some powerful messages in there. But in terms of a rewatch value, I, I find it hard to come back to. And yeah, you know, I give it sort of that sort of safe 76 percent, maybe. Yeah, as I thought, we are we are going to vary. Um, so for me, my my final notes were a truly engaging real life tale of many people's lives entangling, uh, a worthy winner that actually could have used more time to tell the story than it did. Um, I felt there was room for more. Um, I think that's truly down to the fact that there were so many different threads, um, which isn't a letdown mm. for me. Um, I just could have done with with some more. Um, I felt it yeah. was a, a really really good storyline. Um, and as I've talked about previously, I, I'm not a massive fan of of kind of those dark documentary type films that we've, yeah. we've watched at times, including Schneider's List, yeah. uh, Schindler's List, Schneider's Schindler's List, List, Schindler's List. Um, <laughs> whereas this didn't feel like that. This felt like it was lived in. It was a lived in film rather than kind of filmed at a distance like Schindler's mm. List has been. Um, and I've actually given it 91 out of 100 though yeah. i said i wouldn't there watch it, it again i wouldn't watch yeah. it it wouldn't be something that i'd go to again i mm. found myself completely engaged in it and wanting mm. to know more um especially mm. in this day and age where that sort of thing is still absolutely at the forefront of everything that we should be living for at the moment yeah. um so yeah, yeah i i really enjoyed it loved the performances and and yeah just for me, a, a really engaging story. Cool. Right. Well, I suppose on that point, we should uh, call it a night in this one, and we'll be back again for our next episode where we do the sound of music. Thank Good you night. very much, everybody. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.